At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today we invite you to join us in our message series and dive deeper into what God's Word has for us today. Uh, But we're excited to have you with us. We're excited to be able to worship together today. Uh, We're going to be in uh, Philippians chapter 4. Uh, verses four through five this morning, but it's amazing watching uh, that video this morning, just uh, uh, hearing about people's lives, individual lives, people from our church that I know, what they've been going through, what they're walking in, hearing about what they're thankful for. It's just refreshing um, to hear what people are thankful for in this season. And Thanksgiving is uh, this season, right, that we're just in. and if I asked you this morning, like, what are you thankful for? Like, have you thought about that? Or have you thought about that in this season? Have you thought uh, for a couple minutes, just for a moment, about what you are thankful for in this season? This season of craziness and stuff all over the place and uh, national or international pandemics and election cycles and everything else and lockdown and maybe uh, some hardships that you've been walking through and all of that. Have you thought about what you're thankful for? Like, what are you truly thankful for? Um, it's amazing. As I, as I began to um, prepare for this week, it's amazing when you think about it. We have so much. Even on our worst day, we have so much to be thankful for. I mean, I have so much. Just myself, I, I'm so thankful in this season and this year for the provision that God has placed in my life. I'm, I'm thankful for my health. I mean, then... Uh, I don't take that lightly right now, right? That I'm healthy and I'm upright and I'm breathing and I don't take a breath for granted that I'm healthy in this season. I'm thankful for my family, maybe more than I have in other times because maybe I've taken them for granted. In the last season, I've been able to spend a little bit more time with them. And so I'm thankful for my family in this season. I'm, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for the first time in my life I wasn't able to, for a season, gather with the local body of church. And so, man, I don't know about you, but in this season, I am so much more thankful for the, 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 the ability to actually gather together and sing and hear God's word and see other fellow believers in Jesus and not just see them in a chat room online. Now, I know some are are online. That's amazing. We're so glad you're here with us. And many are still unable to come together. We're praying that that those days are ahead of us where we're all able to gather again because of where we are. But man, I'm thankful that I'm able to be standing before you today, unlike other seasons. Man, I'm I'm thankful that uh, for the generosity of this church. I mean, just yesterday... 300 Thanksgiving meals went out to uh, this area and Pontiac just from our campus alone. The generosity of our people here, I'm so thankful for. The 300 families that we partner in the local schools with and Pontiac partners with got a meal and they got a book, More Than a Carpenter, and they're able to hear the message of Jesus. They were invited back to Christmas Eve and they're able to reach out to us if they have other needs. And it's maybe a way that we can build a bridge of love that they say, man, this church actually cares about me. They might actually want to hear what we have to say. And I'm thankful for the generosity of this place and this church. It's amazing when you begin to count them all out, right? But, well, this is a season in the next couple of days, this week, this Thursday, this is a holiday of Thanksgiving, and we'll make turkey, and we'll celebrate, and we'll think about all these things, but what I want to press in today 
is a passage of scripture that God has laid on my own heart in this season that I've been wrestling with back and forth as I've been reading it. And I want to press into you that I feel as though while Thanksgiving is, yes, a day where we think about what God has done for us, how God has provided for us, how blessed we are. I think Thanksgiving is more than that. I think Thanksgiving is a state of the heart. I think Thanksgiving is a way that we are called to live towards God, not on a day, but on a daily basis. A way that we're called to interact with God, a way that we're called to respond to God, a way that we're actually called to live, it's supposed to come out of our actual heart. It's a heart matter. Um, Thanksgiving is a matter of the heart, and it gets to our heart. So when you look at Philippians chapter 4, where we're going to be this morning, I want to read the passage for you quickly, but before you do, I just want to give you a little context about Philippians. If you don't know anything about Philippians, a fantastic, amazing book. The theme is generally people pull out of it, joy, as he continually talks about joy over and over. We're going to hear a little bit about it today, but, but Paul is writing this. This is one of the prison epistles. If you know what those are, he's writing from prison in Rome, and he's writing to this church in Philippi that he actually started on his second missionary journey. If you want to read about it, write down Acts 16. Go back and read that. And he's now writing to that church that he planted, that we can read about in Acts chapter 16, for a number of reasons. He's writing to encourage them as he does with all of his churches. He's, he's writing to report on his own situation, his hopefulness to get out of prison. He's writing to express gratitude for, their, for the amazing blessing they've been in their generosity towards him because he had to be supported even while he was in prison. And he's, he's writing to uh, warn them of false teaching that had risen up in their area. And so take all of that. When we read Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, I'll read the whole passage for you quickly here this morning. It's only a few verses. Read with me. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. 4 through 7. Rejoice in Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but rather in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so we see here this morning, I just want to break this down in each of those verses real quick, just a few things for us this morning, that I believe Thanksgiving is a matter of the heart. It's a heart matter. And when we look at this, we can see three realities that come out of us having a heart for Thanksgiving, a heart that responds to the Lord in Thanksgiving. And the first thing we see in the text is that if my heart is rooted in Thanksgiving in the Lord, I will actually respond by rejoicing. He says, rejoice. He just starts out flat out in the beginning. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Now, we're not going to spend as much time on verse 5, but it says something pretty significant. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Now, that's a message for this season for sure, because really that word reasonable can be, can be more better translated even gentleness. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. Man, if that's a word for today, with all of the disunity and barking at each other, man, I just want to know real quick, and then we'll leave it alone. Think about this for a moment. Are you known by your gentleness to the people you do life with? Your spouse, your children, 
those you work with, those you disagree with at work or on social media. Be known for your gentleness. Now we'll just leave that one there. Let the Holy Spirit do his thing, right? (laughs) So the first thing he calls us to is to rejoice always. Now this isn't the first time the Apostle Paul has said to rejoice in verses, uh, eight, verse 18 of chapter 2. He says, we should be glad and rejoice. In chapter 3 and verse 1, he says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. And now again here in 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And, and, and it's almost like, I'll say it again, rejoice. Now, th- this amazing word, rejoice, means this, to be glad or to show great joy or delight or even an expression of joy. And now just to get your motor running for a moment this morning, in this season, is there an expression of joy coming out of you? In the time we're living in today, is joy coming out of you like rejoicing? Well, he says rejoice. Rejoice in what? Anything? Rejoice in our circumstances? Because I'll tell you, right now, some of the circumstances for many people aren't that great. So rejoicing in, in what's happening all around us? No. He says rejoice. There's a place that we're called to rejoice in, and it's in the Lord. They are commanded to actually find their joy in the Lord rather than the circumstances that they are living in every single day because circumstances change. See, here's the thing, because joy is the fruit and the evidence of a relationship with the Lord. Did you know that? I mean, if you are just a sour individual, can, you, can we just pray more? Because the joy that is supposed to come out of us is a evidence of a relationship, an authentic relationship with the Lord. Like, if I know the God who blew everything into existence, he just said, trees, like stars, galaxies, and he did all of that, and I know that guy on a first-name basis, and I'm just walking around like Eeyore every day? Like, I mean, is that, that doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem natural. No, because... Joy is an evidence, a great evidence of the actual relationship that we have with the Lord. It's it's a fruit that comes out of it. It's something that comes from the Lord because when I place my faith in the Lord, I understand what he's not only done in the past, I understand what he's doing right now, and I I have great hope for what he's going to finish the work that he began in me in the future. And all of that produces in me joy, to rejoice, that my joy is not based on the circumstances that continually change. Did you realize that the the circumstances of our life are changing daily at this moment? Daily, up and down and all around, and maybe not specifically in your home life, but they change all the time. So if my, my joy or my rejoicing was based on the fact that, man, my circumstances are what are calling me to rejoice, no, I wouldn't rejoice half of my life. But rather, it's not, only, it's not based on the circumstances, rather it's based on the Lord and what he has done and will continually do. This is why we rejoice what he says always. He doesn't say, man, rejoice when your circumstances are fantastic. Rejoice when the pandemic's over. Rejoice if your candidate wins the office. Sorry if I'm pressing on anybody. No, he says rejoice always. He leaves no room, no loopholes. So he says always. 
The expectations of the Apostle Paul when he's writing is regardless of how humiliating or painful we might be living in a certain situation, until the Lord comes back, all of us, all of us that call ourselves followers of Jesus, while we might experience overwhelming stresses, experiences, interpersonal problems and issues, sickness, death, trials, yes, and even pandemics and political crises, In all of that, in every circumstance, we are called to rejoice in the Lord always. It's almost as if Paul is saying, nevertheless, rejoice. Like Paul's like, man, in the defiance of the lack of thankfulness in the world around us and the complaining nature of humanity and the custom of being a human, he says, in the face of that, nevertheless, rejoice. Express joy. In the Lord. How? Like, how, how are we called to do that? Like, I don't know about you, but there's days I just don't feel like there's joy in me. There's days that I don't feel like rejoicing. So how and why should we rejoice? Well, he gives it to us when he says, in the Lord. Remember how or what the Lord has actually done in our lives. I don't know if you read much in the Psalms, but they're amazing and we're called to remember what Psalm David, or David wrote in Psalm 40 when he said this, he drew near to me. Can anybody, just as I read this, can anybody um, identify with this? He drew near to me. He drew me up out from a pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and he set, up, set me upon, my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. And he put a song in my mouth and a song of praise to our God. If you're a follower of Jesus here today, that is your experience. You were stuck in the mud and the Lord lifted you up in Christ Jesus, in the Lord, and set you on a firm foundation, which is the gospel. And in light of that, every day I have a, re- a reason to rejoice in the Lord. And as I look at what the Lord has done in the past through Christ, what he's currently doing in me and making me more into his image and likeness and the future hope that I have, I can only but do one thing as my heart of thanksgiving pours out and that is rejoice. My rejoicing comes from a heart of thanksgiving, a heart that knows what God has done, what he's doing and what he will do in the future. So man, I'll tell you, in this season, in a, in a world of unthankfulness, woes, and complaining, we as the followers of Jesus, the church, are called to embrace the defiance of rejoicing. We will rejoice. We must rejoice. We rejoice in the Lord always, right? Imagine the situation. So just for a moment, I reminded you of the context at the beginning but, but remember the situation that the Apostle Paul is in here himself. He, he's, he's in prison. He, he's not saying, rejoice always while I'm sitting here just enjoying my life in Cafe Roma, sipping on a latte. He, he's not there with his feet up. No, he's writing from a prison cell. Life isn't going too well for him. He's in prison because he loves Jesus. Just give you a heads up, that's not a good situation. So he's there in prison. He doesn't know if he's going to live or die. And the church that he has now given his life to, to spreading all over the known world, it seems as though the enemy is crouching in, in the church that he's planted all over the world. And there's nothing that he can do but sit in prison and write to them. And in that, 
It's almost like he's responding, responding or answering the question to, should we really rejoice? Like, man, uh, the person that, that during an international pandemic got the news that they now have cancer and they're walking through hard seasons times, should we really rejoice? Those individuals that, that, are, that are processing, trying to go through uh, having a child and they're unable to, and they're walking through that process while they see everyone else, and they might wrestle with men, should I rejoice? Those that have lost loved ones during this whole thing, and they look at us, hey man, God, should I rejoice? And the answer that the Apostle Paul gives just by the context of where he's writing, he replies, always. Always. Because my heart is so full of thanksgiving towards the Lord for what he has done, I will rejoice always. Man, is that you in this season where you have a heart just that's rested in the fact that the Lord is good and I am undeserving of his grace, but yet I receive it daily. Therefore, it produces in me a heart of thanksgiving. And therefore, I will rejoice in the Lord no matter the circumstances that are happening in my day right now, in what I'm living in right now. Believer, man, I know, those of you watching online, I know that this is a, has been a hard year a crazy, overwhelming, stressful, tumultuous year, an overwhelming time. Trust me, I have my own. If you want to sit down and talk about it, pastors wrestle with their own in the season. Maybe the most difficult season I've ever experienced as a pastor, and I've only been at it for 13 or 14 years, but to lead people, divided people, who all have a different opinion, and challenge them in a season where it seems as though Many have lost their way. It's been an overwhelming season for everyone I know. For many, even more than others, but in all of that, we can rejoice in the Lord from a heart that sees Christ, and in Christ, I am blessed beyond measure, and in Christ, I have more than I ever deserve, no matter what's happening every day, and out of that, I can rejoice. We can fix our eyes on Jesus and rather than the circumstances that are around us every day. So I must move on. Second, Paul calls us to pray often. He doesn't just say rejoice always. He says pray often. He's continuing. He says, hey, worry less. Don't worry. He says don't be anxious about anything. He doesn't say don't worry, but he says not to be anxious about anything. Now, you'll see these, these words that are jumping out of this text. Always, or excuse me, anything corresponds with always. So in the verse before, he says, always. Now he's saying, rejoice always, and don't be anxious about anything, right? And remember his situation. I mean, this is Paul writing from a prison cell. He's not sitting under in a lounge chair under a, a palm tree, sipping on a cool drink, singing, don't worry, be happy. That's not what it's the situation, right? He's sitting in a cold, damp, dark cell in prison. He doesn't know what's going to happen. He's probably anxious, I'm assuming, writing from his own wrestlings, his own strugglings, sitting in his cell saying, man, don't be anxious because I feel pretty anxious myself and I'm going to lead by example, but yet I am going to do something else. Uh, it calls reminiscent. Well, the apostle Paul wasn't a disciple of Christ in his day, 
He knew his teachings well, and it's reminiscent of Matthew chapter 6. If you ever read the Sermon on the Mount, we did a series not too long ago, and it says, therefore, Jesus teaching his disciples in Matthew 6, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or what you drink, nor about your body or what you'll put on it. And he goes on a little bit further, and he gives some examples of birds. And he says, man, the birds don't worry about their food. I provide every one of them. And he goes about the lilies of the field or, or grass or the flowers. He says, man, the flowers don't worry about anything, but man, they're, they're, they're better looking and better dressed than even Solomon in his day. He says this, rather, don't be anxious, but, very, very reminiscent of what we're reading, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these will be added to you. Instead of turning to anxiety and, and stress, seek the kingdom. Very similar to what we're reading here. Paul says, rather than be anxious, we should pray. When he says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your, with thanksgiving, excuse me. So these aren't just normal prayers. They're thanksgiving prayers. Let them be known to God. He says, but in everything, we should pray. Again, you see here, everything corresponds with always, which corresponds with anything. In everything that we do in life, we are called to go before God in prayer. So, so Paul's moving from the horizontal to the vertical. Well, man, I don't know about you, most of my anxiety comes from what I'm seeing here every single day. Not, not from you, I'm not pointing at you guys, but just life. I mean, <laughs> Like my anxieties come from like what I'm experiencing on the horizontal every single day. And Paul's taking, he's saying, man, take your eyes off of what makes you anxious every single day in the horizontal and fix your eyes on the vertical as you take your supplication and your prayers before the Lord. Rather than focusing on all of this, thinking that you can actually change it, I can actually change it. He says, focus on the Lord and go before the Lord with your prayers to the Lord. Now it's interesting, he doesn't just say any type of prayer. The root of our prayers must be thanksgiving for what God has done in Christ through the gospel. Did you catch that? That there's an element, as he says in the text, with thanksgiving. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. The root of our prayers, at the root of our prayers, must be thanksgiving for what God has done. You see, pagan prayers are different. Pagan prayers are absent of thanksgiving and they're very demanding. You ever prayed like that? I have. Or just, God, I need this. I God, I need that. And they're absent from a heart. And I think it's more of a heart matter he's talking about here. It's not like every time you're like, God, I really need a job. I don't want to ask you, but Jim said I have to be thankful for it. So I'm so thankful that I'm unemployed, but I need a job. I'm so thankful that I'm broke, but God, you know, I need a job. No, it's a heart matter that is, that is rested, that is seated on the fact that in Christ, I am immeasurably blessed, and I am in, I, I, God is indebted to me for nothing, but it's all grace that he's shown to me, and out of that heart and that posture, I come before you, Lord, because I need you, because I can't do it on my own, because all I do is I get anxious when I try to overcome it on my own, but the heart of thanksgiving that is expressed, the posture of thankful prayers is a posture that God is good and I don't deserve anything. Do you hear that? The posture of thankful prayers is a posture that God is good and I don't deserve anything. In fact, Paul wrote this, this is supposed to be about all of our activities 
In Colossians 3.17, he says, Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. All of my requests, all of your requests, all of our requests, are to be made known to God with lavish praise to God in, in the rejoicing always in the light of the amazing grace that we have experienced. And this, this right here is the, the kind of the key to this entire passage. That when I go to God with a heart of thanksgiving, when my heart is set in thanksgiving to the Lord, I will rejoice. I will be gentle as we talked about. And I won't be anxious because I'll be casting my cares on the Lord as I go before him. And I don't know about you, but if there's ever a season that there is a time to be anxious, maybe this is the season. I've never really struggled with anxiety too much in my life. Overwhelming anxiety. I know people that are very close to me that do. I went through a season where I really wrestled with it for about a year. But in this season, man, as you read statistically, it's amazing. I read one article that said one in four adults say they wrestle with anxiety and depression in this season. So if I just divide you, like all of these people over here are all struggling with anxiety and depression in this season. That one in four adults are just seeing what's going on around them. Seeing what's happening in the world and it's causing in them anxiety. And I don't want to say, like, I don't think it's them. I think believers in Jesus are wrestling with this just as much. And in light of that, man, I know that it's, it's man, it's not easy. I, I, I know from seeing my own family, man, uh, moms or dads that are home trying to work and then now school their children. Don't get much more anxious than that. I'll just give everybody an a, a, a high five that's in that world, right? iPads are failing. Zoom's not working. Kids are screaming. Your kid has his pants off as he runs across in the background. And you're just like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Like, what is life? And I'm supposed to be doing my job. I'm getting paid for what I'm doing, right? That's just, those, that's just it's making light of something that's actually really overwhelming. And then other, others, it might be you know, illness, it might be financial, it might be just the fact that, man, when I look at humanity, I'm losing hope. And in all of that, those of you online and those of you in this room, all of us, God says, cast all of that on him. Go to him in prayer. Rather than being overall better, go to him in prayer. So I just ask you, like, what does your prayer life look like in this season? What's your prayer like? Are, you, are we just like overwhelmed by what's going on in the world and just yelling at people? Maybe not yelling at people, but some are. Or are we asking God in this season, making all my requests known to him? Because he says something similar, something very interesting. He says, everything. Go to him in Everything. And then it's super easy in this season to get caught up in everything else that's happening around the world and get fatalistic and lose hope. But rather, God says, come to him with our prayers, with a heart of thanksgiving. The one blessing with everything that's happening in the world and in us right now, the one blessing that hopefully is happening, it's causing people to go to God more because they are losing control. It's causing us to be on our knees more. 
And if you are, are your prayers out of a heart of thankfulness? Like, God, I don't deserve anything because I am so thankful for what you've given me in Christ and what I have right now. But, Lord, I want, I'm asking, I'm begging you to live, or excuse me, to move and to change this situation. We have so much to be thankful for. Can I just challenge us, man, this week? This week, I want to challenge our congregation, our church here at Lake Orion. This is what I want you to do. I want you to do something because there's something amazing. When I watched that video, when it was playing beforehand, it's amazing for me just to hear people because something amazing happens when, man, I can just say off the top of my head, yeah, I'm truly blessed and I have much to be thankful for. But there's something amazing about what happens when I express that. Not only in, in your own heart, but what happens in the world around you. So as I'm watching people express from their living room, this is what I'm thankful for. I'm like, man, that just stirs in me. Like, yeah, I have so much, I have so much to be thankful for in Christ and all that he's given me and blessed me. So I just want to challenge you this week. Every day this week, I want you to post something on social media, one thing, and just say, I'm thankful for this. In Christ, I'm thankful for this. Tag me in it. Tag our church. I'd love to see I'd love to be able for us to be able to uh, share with one another, for us to show the world that there's so much to be thankful for, that we can celebrate together that in Christ I am blessed beyond measure. And remind ourselves, may it stir us to go to our knees before the Lord. And then the last thing in just a couple of minutes I have is that we experience peace. Look what it says in verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And those that rejoice in the Lord always choose to trust God and go to him in prayer with thanksgiving. Instead of being anxious and troubling times, we'll experience peace. The result of thanksgiving and prayer out of a heart of thanksgiving is the peace of God. Now this peace of God is, what does it say? It's in Christ. That's where it's found. It's not just magical that when I pray and I say thanksgiving in my prayers, all of a sudden I'm just like more peaceful. Like you just slip it in there like, yep, thanksgiving when I'm praying. I'm like, now I just feel amazing. I'm floating around. It's so good. No, it's not that. It's actually amazing. I don't have time to read it all, but if you want to write it down, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 through 18. It's maybe one of the most powerful passages in all the scriptures about the peace that God gave us, not only vertically with God, but also he gave us to be able to have peace with one another horizontally. And Jesus even said in John chapter 14, verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Not, let not your hearts be troubled. Very similar to what we're talking about now. Neither let them be afraid. There's something about the peace of God that dispels being afraid, that dispels struggles or troubles in our own heart. And it's hard to explain because he even says in the passage, this peace surpasses all understanding. So if you think about it this way, maybe, in light of what we're reading in the passage, Anxiety, what he's talking about here, being anxious is often a struggle of the mind, right? It's the struggle of like, man, I can fix this, or how can I change this, or how can I do something, or I will never overcome this, or whatever it may be. But the peace of God goes beyond our thinking. It, it settles into us in a way that we cannot understand or comprehend, and in light of that, I can experience peace. It's not, it's not a one-for-one, one, often as God's things are. And it's not as though, like, man, if you just do X, Y, and Z, you'll have a peaceful life and you will live the dream. 
They'll be saying there's something supernatural about it that when I go before the Lord and I rejoice in him because I am overwhelmed by how good he is to me and undeserving I am and my heart is thankful towards him and I go to him with that heart and I lay my soul bare before him with all of my requests because, man, there's no other way. I could be anxious, but that is no way to live. When I live like that, the peace of God that I have in Christ will guard my heart and my mind. It's amazing. It says your heart and your mind. It refers to your whole inner being. With my heart I feel, with my mind I think. And the peace of God will settle into my heart and mind. When I'm focused on him, my whole inner being is guarded by the peace of God. It's amazing. This, uh, this idea, this word has the idea of garrison. Like a, um, a body of troops that are stationed in a particular location to guard or defend it. And the Philippians would have known all too well. They would have known what this was like because a garrison is something they would have seen. A garrison of Roman soldiers would have been around them all the time. And so when they're hearing this, they're understanding what it looks like. And you notice what's not said here. Notice this peace that God is saying that we can have in him is not something that's dependent on the results of your prayers. He doesn't say, don't be anxious about anything and go before the Lord with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, and make your requests known to God. And when he answers them, you will have peace. When you get all the stuff that you desire, he will have, you will have peace. No, it's not dependent on that. Rather, our peace is a peace that settles into God's sovereignty, like Paul in prison. Whatever God does, he's still good. But I will rejoice always, and I will go before him because I know he's the only one that can change the outcome. And out of that is a heart of thanksgiving before the Lord. No matter what you do, Lord, I am thankful for you and what you've done. And you are good, and I am undeserving. But my heart is thankful So I can just ask you as I close, are you experiencing peace in this season? I feel as though like when I look at the world around me, many people are not experiencing peace. Peace is not something that is just flooding the internet. It's actually quite the opposite. It seems like it's turmoil. It's brokenness. It's upheaval. It's fighting. It's disunity. Not peace. Not stillness. Right? But God says, hey man, come to me and I'll give you peace. Man, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you're watching online and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I can only imagine the turmoil in your own soul of what's going on. I don't know what it would be like if I didn't have God in this season. But today, if you're here together with us, you have something to be thankful for in the fact that today you can place your faith and your hope and your trust all in Jesus. And because of that, your heart will be changed. You'll be rescued and redeemed. If you're online today, today, if you place your faith and trust in Jesus, today you'll be saved and you can have peace with God, for us believers as we're here, men, in all of this, may we have 
hearts that are rooted in thankfulness, rooted in thanksgiving before the Lord. And because of that, we rejoice always. We're going before the Lord in prayer. We're on our knees more in this season than we've ever been because, man, in this season, I need to go before the Lord and ask him and beg of him because I am overwhelmed, I'm anxious, and I need the Lord. And may we be a place that is protected, our hearts and our minds guarded by the peace of God that comes from a heart of thanksgiving and live that way. Man, God is good, isn't he? God's good, isn't he? He is. He's so good. And many times it just takes the moment for us to actually think and focus and look upon him to remember his goodness. May that be your attention this week. May your heart be in tune with him this week, not just about all the stuff that's happening. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.